Welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early. This is the place to explore and rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to the deep spiritual meaning and see how we can apply it in our daily lives to learn how to pray more effectively, experience the healing presence of God in your life, and begin to get a taste of what Jesus meant when he promised us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, let's jump right in. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode number 50. Our topic today is asking God for guidance when you don't know what to do. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you that the one-year anniversary for the Bible Speaks to You podcast is coming up in just a few weeks. And to help celebrate, I would really appreciate it if you would share with me something that was inspiring or a new idea that you got from the podcast. And let me know how you applied that idea in your life and how it made a difference. You can either send me an email at james at thebiblespeakstoyou.com or go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the contact tab. I plan to share some of these on a future episode, so please let me know where you're from as well. There are listeners to the Bible Speaks to You podcast all over the world, and I think it would be fun to hear what other people have found helpful And it might be something that would be helpful to you as well. So please take a few minutes and send me an email or go to the contact tab on the website and let me hear from you. Thanks so much. Now, let's jump into today's topic, asking God for guidance when you don't know what to do. Well, if you're like me, that happens a lot. There are some times when I don't know the answer to a problem. I don't know what decision to make. Either there are two or more good choices, or two or more bad choices, or maybe you don't even know if it's a right or wrong choice. You just don't know. You have to decide on something. And sometimes they're small choices. Sometimes they're life choices, like where to go to school, who to get married to, what job to take, what to do for a career, or where to live. Then there are deeper choices, like what to make a priority in your life. Sometimes we get pulled away in different directions from what our real purpose is. God has a purpose for each one of us, and sometimes we get distracted from that, and we have to stop and ask God, God, what do you want me to do next? Today we're going to look at probably one of the biggest examples of this in the Bible that I can think of, when someone had to ask for help. The world that they knew suddenly was not there anymore and they had no clue what to do next. You can probably think of several Bible characters that fit that bill, but the one we're going to talk about today is Saul, who later was known as Paul. Saul was a zealous young man. He had been trained as a Pharisee. He was meticulous in the way he obeyed all the Jewish laws because he believed that if he did everything right, that would make him righteous. Well, a 
along come these upstart Christians, and they're doing things differently, and he doesn't like that. They're not obeying all the traditions that have been passed down for centuries, and it just makes him furious. In fact, he witnesses an early Christian being stoned to death for preaching about Jesus. That was Stephen. It's not too hard to imagine that he felt that that was the totally right thing to do because these Christians were challenging everything he believed to be true about how to worship God and how not to. If you're where you can look at a Bible, open up to Acts chapter 9. But if you're listening in the car or can't look at a Bible right now, come back to chapter 9 in Acts when you can. This tells the story of when Saul was on the way to Damascus. And I'm sure you know this story, but we're going to look at it again to see what we can learn about how to ask for help when we need it, when we don't have a clue what to do, when our world is turned upside down. And sometimes that happens in a good way. Something wonderful happens and we just don't know what to do next. Other times it seems like everything falls in on itself all at once one thing after another, and we just don't know whether to turn right or left or go straight or go backwards. There's no way for us to know by ourselves. We need God's direction. So this is Acts chapter 9. It starts off talking about Saul breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, against the followers of Jesus. He was so angry. He went to the high priest, this is in Jerusalem, and he asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone following Jesus there, men or women, he could bring them back to Jerusalem tied up. He wanted to put them all in prison, get rid of them all. They were troublemakers. They were rabble-rousers. They were creating havoc from the perspective of the Jewish religious leaders. So he got his letters and he was on his way to Damascus. And as he got closer to Damascus, suddenly there was this bright light from heaven that shone all around him, and he fell to the ground. Just put yourself in that situation. What would you do if you saw something like that happen? I hope I would fall to my knees. I hope I would bow in prayer. I I don't know. It's just, it's really almost too much to think about. He fell to the ground And then he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, that was quite a surprise. That was a shock because there was no one else around. He was with some men that were going with him, but there was nobody else around. If this had happened to you, what would you do next? The obvious thing Paul wanted to know was who was talking to him. So he asked, Who are you, Lord? Now, he wasn't calling Jesus Lord at this point. It was simply a term of respect, like we would say, yes, sir, or no, sir. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, you know the rest of the story, but let's stop right there quickly. Here is Saul, almost to his destination, ready to take the followers of Jesus and tie them up and take them back to Jerusalem as prisoners, basically. And all of a sudden, the voice of Christ is speaking to him, asking, why are you persecuting me? Just imagine the mental conflict and the disconnect that's going on in Saul's mind at that point. 
it forces a radical shift in Saul's thinking process. Then the voice goes on, Rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Now, that's from the English Standard Version. In the King James Version, it says that Paul asked, What should I do next? But in the actual Greek, it says in this account, You will be told what you are to do. But later, in Acts chapter 22, when Paul recounts this experience, he actually says, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. So there was this sense in this later example, Acts 22, this is verse 10. Saul actually is responding and saying, What shall I do, Lord? And that's what we're going to talk about today. What shall I do, Lord? We need to ask that question often. For the little things, for the big things, for the in-between things. I knew of a guy one time, when he got dressed every morning, he'd ask God what to put on. Now, you may think that's kind of extreme, but that's the kind of relationship he had with God. Years ago, before cell phones and the weather apps and everything, I would ask God, before I went to work, do I need to take an umbrella? And without fail, I always got the right answer. Sometimes it would be a clear sky and God would say, take your umbrella and I would need it. That's obviously a pretty small thing. But getting back to Saul on the road to Damascus, I think Saul senses what a momentous event this is, how pivotal it is for him. So when Saul got up, even though his eyes were opened, he could not see anything. He had been blinded by that bright light. And I don't think it was so much a material light as it was a spiritual light. It was just too much for his limited, hateful, wrathful attitude to take in. It literally blinded him. So the people that were with him had to lead him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was in Damascus, and still he couldn't see. And he didn't eat, and he didn't drink this whole time. What do you think he was doing in those three days? I can only imagine that he was praying earnestly to know what he was supposed to do. Here was a young man full of fervor for God. He was doing what he thought was right, what he had been taught, but with all his heart, he wanted to do what was right in the eyes of God. That was his ultimate motive. It may have taken the appearance of get rid of the Christians because he thought they were doing something wrong. But his ultimate motive was he wanted to do what was right because he loved God. We know what happens. In Damascus, there is a disciple of Jesus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. Well, see there, we do know that during those three days and nights, Saul was praying. And then the Lord continues, saying to Ananias, And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Here's the Lord telling Ananias what to do. He heard the voice but he didn't quite understand. 
and that's okay. If we don't understand something God tells us, we can we can ask questions, and I think this is really an important point here. This is Acts 9, verse 13, and Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and that he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. Word had gotten around. They didn't have Facebook or email or instant messaging, but news traveled pretty fast. But then the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And so, of course, Ananias is obedient. He goes, he finds the house of Judas, and he comes in and he lays his hands on Saul and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. God had revealed to Saul in a vision that a man named Ananias would come to him and heal him of his blindness. So when Ananias comes in and does that, and here's a man that would have no idea what had happened to him on the way to Damascus, tells him what happened, and acknowledges that he knows that Jesus appeared to him, what do you think that does to Saul? Things are starting to click really quickly. All of a sudden, he's healed and he regained his sight. He was baptized and then he ate something and he felt a renewed sense of strength. He was there for some days with the disciples at Damascus. And look what the immediate result was. He started proclaiming in the synagogues saying that Jesus is the Son of God. This is a complete turnaround from what he was saying just a few days before, where he was breathing out anger and threatening and hatred toward the Christians. Now he is one, and he's preaching boldly that Jesus is the Son of God, is the Messiah. I want to come back to this main topic for today, which is asking God for help when you don't know what to do. When you get to a place where you don't know what to do, that's a moment of humility. It's a moment of realizing you have no clue what to do next. There are too many uncertainties. You've never been in this situation before. Most of us are in recognizable territory for many of the decisions we make, but sometimes we do get in unknown and uncharted territory, especially in those times. We need to say, God, what do you want me to do? Show me where to go. Show me what directions to take. Show me who I need to talk to. Let me know. Give me a sign. It's perfectly acceptable to ask God for a sign. The Bible has lots of stories where God gave someone a sign so that they would know what to do. I'm thinking specifically right now of Gideon. Gideon said to God, if you really want me to believe that I'm the one that you've picked to do all these great things to save Israel, then I'm going to put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And in the morning, if there's dew on the fleece and it's dry on the ground, then I'll know that that's a sign that you want me to do these things. And that's exactly what happens the next morning. Well, Gideon's not 100% convinced. He wants to be sure. And he says, don't get angry with me, God, but let me ask one more thing, please. This time I'm going to put the fleece out again, 
And if the fleece is dry and the ground around it is wet with dew, then I will know that you have chosen me for this purpose. And that's exactly what happened. And let me tell you, Gideon was on board. He knew without a doubt that God had chosen him to save Israel. What would have happened if Gideon hadn't had that reassurance from God? He would not have acted with as much confidence and boldness, but he knew exactly what God wanted him to do. And then later God tells him exactly how to let all the people go home who are afraid. He takes them down to the water to see how they drink, to see who's really alert. God tells him exactly how to choose the 300 men who will help him defeat the enemy army. And then he tells him what to do each step of the way. And Gideon listens. And that's an important clue for us. When we need a sign from God, when we need reassurance, keep asking for it until you are sure about what God is asking you to do. Ask him how to do it, when to do it, where to do it. Whatever you need to know, God will give you those answers. And it's okay to ask. It's a sign of humility when we ask God for direction. We're putting our opinions out of the way, and we are asking God what to do. If you ever need a sign from heaven, you can ask God. And if you're not sure, don't be embarrassed. Ask again. God wants you to be absolutely certain with a sense of purpose that he's giving you. If there's doubt, ask for guidance, ask for a sign. Whatever it is, say, God, whatever I need to know, show me. There are lots of ways to pray about this. But it takes a lot of humility. And that's probably the biggest lesson here. We need to trust less in our own ability, in our own intellect, our own intelligence, our own perception of the facts, of the data, of the situation. We need to set all that aside and ask God what he wants us to do. And he will let you know in one way or another. It could be something someone says to you, a phrase you read somewhere, a Bible verse that you open up to, or it could be that still small voice of God speaking directly to you. God communicates in lots of different ways, but we need to turn to him for help as long as we think we can figure it out. Because, hey, God did make us smart. He gave us the ability to reason through situations and circumstances, and he gave us wisdom and discernment. But the ultimate wisdom is to ask God what he wants us to do. Because you can never know for sure what is going to happen after you make a choice. I've heard of people, when they had two jobs to choose between, one of them on paper seemed so much better. But the more they prayed about it, they took the job that didn't seem as important. But right after they took the job, that propelled them into another position or another aspect of the work that was much more fulfilling than the other job that looked so great would have. And there's no way that they could have known that was going to happen. There are several Bible verses I'd love to share with you when you're praying about this kind of thing. One of my favorites is from James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. 
So keep asking until God removes all the doubt, until you are sure what God's answer is. Probably one of the most well-loved passages in the Bible is from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means you're not trusting in anything else. There's nothing left in your heart to trust in but God. You're not trusting in yourself, how smart or strong you are. You're not trusting in other people. You're not trusting in your position at work. You're not trusting in your bank account. You're not trusting in your social standing. You're not trusting in anything except God. Sometimes it's by choice, and sometimes it's by force of circumstances. But nevertheless, when we put our trust only in God, amazing things happen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. How many times do we lean on our own understanding? In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. He'll show you what to do and where to go. It's as simple as that. Here's another one of my favorites from Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Sometimes we're doing the best we can and we don't know what to do and we get distracted. We see decoys along the path and we go off. We're getting off track from what God wants us to do. And God promises us that we will hear a voice that gets us back on the path that we need to be on. And then there's this promise in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. I can only imagine how Saul must have felt when his life was completely transformed because at that moment when he was probably the most vulnerable, when he was on the ground outside of Damascus, he heard things that completely turned his life around. He could have said, I don't want to talk to you, Jesus. I don't want to hear anything about this. You're the enemy. But he had enough humility to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Do we have that same humility? Or do we think we're going to solve the problem by ourselves? And I just want to point out here that Saul was not trying to decide at that point between two things. His question, what would you have me do, Lord, was totally open-ended. All his preconceptions about what he thought he was going to do were being completely tossed out, and he had a completely blank slate to hear whatever it was that God wanted him to do, and he would be willing to do that. So we sometimes are working between two choices, but we also need to be able to set aside all those choices. God may have something completely different for us to do, and when we ask God for guidance and listen to that direction, you may just be surprised on what he's asking you to do. This coming week, when you have to make a decision, ask God, what would you have me to do? When you put yourself in God's hands like that and become his messenger, so to speak, it's not necessarily about the thing you're doing. It's probably more about who God may have you meet 
that you can help or they may help you. God may tell you to turn left instead of right like you normally do to go home. This has happened to me. Sometimes I've asked God what to do and he tells me to stay at the stop sign longer and a car rushes by. And if I had done what I was going to do, there might have been an accident. God can direct us in the little choices we need to make as well as the big choices. Ask for God's guidance. Even if you think you know what to do, make the new habit asking God what to do, and you will have an answer. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful you're here. I want to thank you so much for being part of the Bible Speaks to You community. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, I encourage you to subscribe. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash podcast. You'll see a little blue box. Put your name and email in there. Send it off. You'll get a confirmation email to prove that you're not a robot and you're all set. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. I always put in the show notes all the Bible references that I quote. So if you go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash zero five zero, this is episode 50, you'll find at the bottom of the show notes all the Bible references that I've mentioned today. And while you're there, I would love it if you would leave me a comment. Scroll on down all the way at the bottom of that page, and there's a place where you can leave a comment. I'd love to hear what you thought. I'd love to hear of an experience where you have felt God's guidance in a situation when you didn't know what to do and you turned to God for help. As I mentioned at the very first of this episode, the one-year anniversary of the Bible Speaks to You podcast is coming up in just a few weeks. And to celebrate, I hope you'll participate and share with me an idea that's been helpful from the podcast, how you have put it into practice in your life and the difference that it's made. You can do that at the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. Just click on the Contact tab in the menu at the top. And then fill that form out. Tell me those things. And also let me know where you're from. And I plan to share some of these on an episode sometime in October. As of right now, people in 82 different countries have listened to at least one episode of the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I think it would be fun for people all around the world to hear something that's been helpful to you. And then you'll be able to hear something that's been helpful to them. So I hope you'll participate in that. That's it for today. I want to thank you again for being here and listening. The whole purpose of the Bible Speaks to You podcast is to get back to the original Christianity of Jesus, to experience God's healing presence in your life, and to get a taste of what Jesus meant when he promised us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thank you so much for listening. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. God bless. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.